Hey, you're listening to Be Your Best with Phil Haugen, where we explain the methods that help bridge the language barrier between horse and rider. Our goal with each episode is to provide you with the training philosophies that will help you to be your best every day. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining me on today's show, Be Your Best Horsemanship. And today, I'm going to be talking about advancing your performance horse. And I'm going to be talking about several different disciplines and some of the things that we can do to just make our life easier in our in our desired discipline with, with our horse. And being a better horseman, number one, starts with understanding where you're at. You know, first of all, we need to understand where we're at and where we want to get to. And then we need to have a plan to get from where we're at to where we want to be. And that that's the first step for me personally in advancing a horse in, in whatever discipline that is. A lot of the things we do, do fundamentally are going to be similar for for all the disciplines combined because you know your horse only has five body parts well they have a lot of body parts but the five main body parts the head neck shoulder rib cage and hindquarter are the five body parts that that i'm trying to control with my communication between my reins and my legs okay so for example take a rope horse um yesterday um a young man that works for me that's going to college here and he's just a really good guy and you're going to hear a lot about him in the future um he uh he was riding a, a colt that's about ready to go home and this colt is riding really good he just brought the steers up and the calves up and we were going to rope and um he was loping some circles on him and doing some turnarounds and i was uh I was showing him an easy way to show your horse how you want that horse to turn around simply by keeping your hands low. He was turning this horse to the left. Well, he had his hands just a little bit high and he had his left leg against that horse's rib cage when he was asking him to turn to the left. Well, just by lowering your hands, opening that door, meaning get Get your right, get your left foot away from that rib cage. Just push down on your heel and get the fender of that saddle away from that rib cage, and put just a slight amount more pressure in your outside stirrup than your inside, so that you're sitting on your right pelvic bone or your hip bone. And I, and I explained that to him, and you know I I told him to sit square in his saddle to where you got even weight on both your hip bones or your pelvic bones and then shift your weight just enough so that you're sitting more on your outside pelvic bone or your hip bone than your inside and then i showed him then i had him tip that horse's nose to the left apply a slight amount of pressure on the outside and that horse stepped across real nice and planted that inside hind leg that left hind leg and used and established it as a pivot point and you could see the light bulb go on and uh he looked at me and he said well that makes a lot of sense and uh then 
after we did that a few times, he said, well, that makes a lot of sense when I'm roping. And as he was talking about riding his calf horse, if he's not staying square in his saddle and he gets, say he gets in his right stirrup too much and he's, he's on his right hip bone and goes to rope, he said, that, that would make your horse duck. And I said, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, you got to think about those things because just like when we're t- taking that same calf horse and we're teaching that calf horse to turn around correctly, then we get on them. And while we're roping on them, we get our body out of position, but we expect them to be able to read our mind and, and understand that we want them to stay straight and not, not move. And, you know, when you look at it that way and it, to be honest with you, if Rhett hadn't said that to me yesterday, um, I probably probably wouldn't be doing this podcast on that particular this particular subject today, because you know, like for him, Rhett, uh, he reminds me a lot of me when I was that age. I grew up in a family where we had horses, but we weren't rodeo people really per se. And my dad was a uh, good athlete, but he wasn't didn't rodeo and didn't rope. And Rhett's in somewhat of a similar situation, though. I think his dad did rope some when he was back in high school and stuff. And so when I got in around people, I, I was a sponge. I mean, I shut my mouth and I listened and watched. And, and Rhett has those same characteristics. So he's uh, here again. This is a situation where he can develop good habits right or wrong depending on what he what he listens to and what he applies sometimes starting with kind of a clean slate like that is not not such a bad thing and in a lot of ways i think not growing up in a certain environment of how horses are trained actually has helped me quite a little bit in my career as far as learning goes because i didn't really have anything just set in stone as to how I thought we needed to do things. So because of that, I experimented a lot. So when I started competing myself, and I'm going to talk about rope horses here for a little bit first, you know, I did a ton of things wrong, just like a lot of us do. Um, All I cared about was roping. Um, And because of that, I wanted the repetitions in the roping but at the same time, I, I was not helping my horse at all. Run after run after run. If you don't correct the mistakes that your horse are, is making at the time they make the mistake, you're basically reinforcing that bad habit and telling them that that's what you want them to do. If a horse does something or gives you a response and you don't and it's the incorrect response and you don't correct it, well then you're that is a repetition that continues to create that habit that is undesirable. So basically that's, that's how my rope horses were. And when I first started roping, well, you know, as I went along, I started to understand the value of certain fundamentals, certain things, scoring position. Um, I learned, uh, I figured out position pretty early in my career and I understood how important it was 
for that horse to be in position because it was real simple. I, I could handle my rope, but my catch percentage and setting up my runs was so much better when I was in good position. And I really didn't even, we didn't even talk about position. You know, we just said, run your horse in there, get in, you know, don't let your horse short you. Um, you know, we didn't talk a lot about horsemanship principles, but I, I knew that if I got to a certain spot, you know, there was a good, the, the percentages of my rope going around their necks, but I'm talking right now just in the calf rope and uh, increased considerably, you know, and then scoring, of course, scoring's huge. I mean, and, and that's a tough thing for a horse. You talk about, you, we want them to stand there like a statue with pressure in their mouth. And then when our hand drops, we want them to go from zero to 30 in probably a second, you know, or two at the most. I mean, so when you talk about creating anxiety in a horse, you talk about something that can create some anxiety in a horse. So if you want to have a horse that's a great scoring horse, you, you've got to, you've got to have a program that helps to develop that, you know, cause horses don't just score naturally great. They need some help because you put them in a position where you are creating some anxiety. So like looking back when I was in, you know, when I was young and go practice, I'd get to go practice. Well, I didn't have an, I didn't grow up with an arena. Um, we never had an arena at our place. So when I did get a chance to go rope somewhere, I, uh, I wanted to rope as many, get as many runs in as I could. You know, it, I was always trying to make up for lost time. And because of that, you know, it, you know, bless their hearts. I mean, my poor horses, they, they paid for it, you know, cause I'd just go run after run after run and not probably didn't score many at all because if you scored one that was just kind of like a wasted calf so it's it's amazing looking back that they even worked at all um but you know that anxiety that you build um up in that horse from starting at standing on all four feet starting dead still and when your hand drops you want them to bring it um you can see why your horse's hindquarters setting in the corner of that box would immediately create some anxiety and it and it makes such a such a huge difference in your performance the start is everything you know and so then from the start when you drop your hand that horse has got to find that position and the way you establish that position for me the way I do it I establish that when I'm pin roping, whether it be in my roping lane or in the arena. I want that horse. I want to put that horse in position to where when I drop my hand, they're going to go find that spot and they're going to stay there. And for me personally, I always put my horse in position when I'm pin roping to where my right foot or the toe of my boot on my right foot if I rode right up to that calf I could set the toe of my boot right on that calf's tailhead and I've had some people ask me and say well isn't that a little too far to the left and and it probably um I might 
that might be overemphasizing it a little bit, but here's why I do that is because when I leave that box, okay, I'm already on that calf's right side. So my horse needs to find that spot behind that calf as quickly as possible, that position, so that I can deliver my rope. My target is always that calf's neck, right above that shoulder. I always look at the neck. I mean, when you're roping, you rope the neck. You don't rope the head, you rope the neck. Wherever your rope needs to end up, after you deliver your rope for you to be successful, that's what you're roping, okay? Whether it's horns, neck, feet, I rope the neck in the calf roping and the breakaway, same thing. But the reason I teach my horse that position is because when I leave that box and I put my hand down and start my swing, I want my horse trying to get to that spot that I've taught them. Now, more times than not, you're going to deliver their, your rope when they're making that transition because I want, when I, I overemphasize that position when I'm training them because then when you leave the box, that horse is going to continue. Even if you reach or take a quick throw, that horse is going to continue to be trying to move into that position. And when you do that and you get behind that calf, that calf is going to hear you and continue to run straight because I want that calf to run straight. If a calf, calf steps, uh, when they step right, it's, for me, it's probably not as big a deal. But when a calf steps left, if they take a big step left, boy, it's tough to get to them, tough to be fast. Anytime you take an extra swing, it's another two or three tenths, a couple tenths anyway. So the straighter you can have that calf moving away from you, the better you are because your separation is so much faster. Okay, does that make sense? So, you know, that that's one of the things that um, just simple things like that when you're um, establishing and creating good habits. Of course, you know, in one of the earlier podcasts, we episodes, we talked about um, correct repetitions. Well, here again, correct repetitions is everything as far as creating habits, creating good habits and creating fundamentals and foundation. That foundation and fundamentals of slow work and putting your horse in position and putting your hand down and letting your horse find that position. And if they are not in that position, correcting it and then putting your hand back down. Okay. You got to, you always have to keep in mind that you have to communicate to that horse in a way they understand, you know, and, and correct rep repetitions creates good habits. So, one way getting back to the anxiety that that horse, you know, gets or the anxiety we create by roping out of the box, one way to help that horse deal with that anxiety is that they know when you put your hand down where to go. Because if, if you, for me personally, if I start roping out of the box on a horse before they're great in the field, because when you put your hand down, you got to do a lot of guiding and helping and training and pulling. Um, that creates more anxiety in the corner. Okay. So that that's something that a lot of you ropers, especially young ropers, 
the the sooner you figure that out, the better you're going to be because your horses and your transportation is everything. And our sport is growing um, just like the breakaway rope. And this spring, I've got two or three breakaway rope in schools. I think three we've got scheduled. Kelsey Chase, who's a world champion, she's going to be doing a couple of them with me. Um, all of those girls and guys out there that rope good, that rope really, really good, have great horses. I mean, that's the first thing. If, if, if they're not roping great, more than likely they're struggling a little bit with their horse. If they're roping great, I promise you their horse is roping great, is working great. Obviously their horses aren't roping great. But so for all of you ropers, young ropers, and we're all, we're all ropers, all of us are, can get better, everybody. Um, if you're a great roper, you got to work hard, just stay where you're at. You know, we got to work hard. The, the better you get, the more work it takes to get even better because it just, the steps get smaller as you, as you improve and get more consistent and you get better. It, it takes a ton of work just to stay there. And for you younger ropers, um, and older, you know, just like myself, I'm 55, and, and one of my commitments for this coming year um, to be prepared for the World Series Ropens in Vegas next December, a year from now, is to is to throw 50, you know, get 50 practice loops at my dummy each day on the my heading and healing dummy, and, and, and that equates to 13,000 loops in a year if I do 50 a day, five days a week. You know, you can't, um, you can't do too many correct repetitions. You can't have your horse too good. Um, at our roping schools, like I was talking about this spring, we're going to change them up to where the first day we work all on the horses. We're going to do, in the past, every roping school I've done, there's always been there's always some really good horses and really good ropers. And there's always some younger or older, more ex inexperienced ropers um, that are struggling with their rope. But at the same time, they're struggling with their horse. And I'm just going to tell you what, if, if, if your horse is green and inconsistent, it, it is really tough to rope good. It is really tough. And so what we're going to do this year at our schools is, is work more on the first day or day and a half, which the schools will be um, either two or three day schools. But no matter what, the first day will be all on working on your horse and putting your horse in position and helping your horse, helping create good habits with your horse. Because when you leave that roping school, even if we've helped you handle your rope better, which I'm just going to tell you, if you're in good position and you match your tip, your tip to your target and you have a good delivery, you're going to catch a lot of cattle. It's, it's not that hard. The biggest challenge that everybody has out there, and myself included, is how good is your horse? That's the number one thing that separates a good roper from a great roper. How good is your horse? 
are you doing something every day to help that horse get better? Every time you practice, when you get done, is your horse a better rope horse or are you going the other direction? That's something you have to ask yourself. The other thing is every rope horse of mine, um, at some point, I've got to go back to a little snaffle bit, soften them up, um, go back to some of the most basic fundamentals and work on it. Because when you make runs on your horse, and I don't have any, I use tie downs on my rope horses. I don't have anything against tie downs, but they're not a, I don't use them as a leverage tool. I use them as a tool that they balance against. A lot of times a horse finds security in using that tie down to balance against. And, and I don't have no problem with that. Um, now, if it's a leverage tool because your horse isn't behind the bridle and you're just basically mechanic, mechanically manipulating that horse through a run, you, you can still uh, make some runs and accomplish some things, but you're, that horse will never be as good as it could be. You know, and, and I've, been, I've been there. I've done it. Uh, I've proven it to myself because um, at one time I was that guy. So, you know, those are, those are some things to think about. And I know today I'm, I mainly just talked about the rope horses, but I wanted to talk about our schools coming up that you have to understand how important that transportation is. You know, your horse has got to be able to score, run, cow, meaning get in position, okay, and stop. Stop straight, stop smooth, okay. That's for the breakaway roping and the calf roping. The only, the only element we add to that is that horse has got to get on the end of the rope. They need, to, they need to have pressure on that saddle horn when they're getting back, and they need to get back straight. You know, simple principles and simple exercises can help all of those. It can help your scoring, your run and your cow, you know, pin roping. Letting your horse understand if there's a if I if I've got a calf in my arena and the gates are all shut and I'm pin rope I put my hand down that horse better go find that spot if not I'm going to correct them and help them till when I just when I I don't care if I'm 50 foot away and I put my hand down I want that horse to run to that spot be in position and hold that position not run over the calf not run by the calf I shouldn't have to help them. I shouldn't have to help them because if I've got to help them, if I've got to help them in a run, you know, that takes time. That takes time. So, you know, just think about those things. Um, I, I welcome any feedback that you can give us, any questions you have. Um, don't be afraid to message us. Contact us on one of the our social media platforms. Um, I appreciate you listening today and for today, you know, win the day, whatever you're doing today, be great at it, put something into it, get something out of it. Have a great day. Be your best. Hey, thanks for joining us on today's show. To learn more about the training program that inspired the Be Your Best podcast, Head over to philhavenhorsemanship.com and join our online community by following us at philhavenhorsemanship on Facebook or Instagram. 
This is where we're going to be sharing tons of training tips and information about how you can experience our Training Through Understanding program at one of our upcoming clinics. As you go through the day today, I want to encourage you to figure out one thing you can do to get 1% better, whether that is in your horsemanship journey, your career, or your personal life. Own it and be your best. God bless and have a great day of training.